Welcome to Trek and Observe. My guest today is Nuro Johnson. How you doing, Nuro? Doing well. Thank you for having me. To you and Bricks, thank you for the uh, the invitation. Sounds good. Good. Bricks, my co-host. How you doing, my friend? Doing good. If you know, Florida's opening up, so I'm getting ready to hit, hit the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful out there, man. Oh, I'm super careful. Um, Nua, one thing we ask all of our guests here is what was one thing you came across recently that inspired you? Um, you know, usually I'm inspired by many different things throughout the day, but if we're going to be specific, the other day I was training a kid, you know, in my backyard, I've been doing one-on-one training and, uh, the kid was frustrated throughout the training. And then when we got to the uh, shooting portion of the training, he did awesome. And uh, mm. he actually recorded the most points in terms of goals and points that I usually calculate through the uh, shooting session. And uh, he left, he laid it happy. And, you know, I gave him some pointers. And next thing you know, he was on fire and couldn't miss any shot. So. That inspired me just to, you know, keep doing what I'm doing in terms of my training and everything like that. That's that's awesome to hear, nice. man. Yeah, another thing too, um, I don't know if you want to give people a little background on what you do so they can actually get a better understanding about where you are now and uh, where you potentially going in the future. Yeah, no problem, sounds good. Right now I currently um, run a soccer academy for Miami Lakes United, but I also have my own academy that I started called uh, YSSA, and it stands for, the acronym is uh, Young Soccer Stars Academy. Yeah. And I have a, uh, a co-owner, partner. Yeah, and so I coach, I run a soccer academy, and I also have online businesses and do investing as well. In terms of my background, when I first moved to Miami, where I currently live, was getting my degree in fashion merchandising. Then from there, when I graduated in 2010, you know, went up to New York to try to get into the uh, fashion industry with the Ralph Lauren company. Didn't work out so well. Came back to Miami, ended up getting a job with one of the biggest companies um, in the world, New Era. Uh, you know, they make all the different hats that different nice. musicians, athletes, uh, and just, you know, us regular folks wear. You know, I've been wearing New Era since I was a kid. And yep, I used to here. run their uh, merchandising department. Uh, I worked with the sourcing, production, graphic design, customer service, sales. You know, I was pretty much the focal point through everything. That was from pretty much 2012 until 2015. But I just felt like the company wasn't really fully being appreciated. and. I'll never forget 2015, I went to uh, speak to the uh, our boss at the time and uh, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I've been the assistant merchandiser here. Mm-hmm. You guys fired the guy who hired me and I've taken on, you know, such a workload. You know, I asked him, hey, when do you think I'll become like the full out merchandiser? And he looked at me in my eye and said, hey, it could be anywhere from one year to 10 years just to become wow. a manager. Oh my God. I said, well, you know what? I didn't say this directly in his face, but in my mind, I'm thinking, thank you, but no thank you. So at the time, you know, I had been coaching in the academy. And Mm -hmm. uh, from there, you know, back in 2015, I'll never forget, I have the date written down uh, December 11, 2015. I went in, turned in my two weeks' notice, and left New Era. Worldwide billion dollar global company. Mm-hmm. I I left and decided to pursue coaching full time. And of course, you know, I took a pay loss big time. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I figured out I love what I was doing and pursued it and I've been enjoying it ever since. Been five years entrepreneurial on my own. That's awesome, man. That's that's really that's nice. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. We, I could tell from your story that one you felt you know you were happier. Mm-hmm. It's just like you, the money didn't matter and the the company didn't matter. You were like, man, I'm I'm happier making less money on my own, busting my ass for you guys. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny. I mean, the way I got into coaching 
when I was at New Era, there was a gentleman there. He used to work in the production side of it. And uh, he knew I had played college soccer, had been overseas, played soccer. And he came up to me one day. He said, hey, would you be interested in helping me uh, coach my daughter's recreational team? So I said, sure, no problem. Gives me something else to do. And, uh, you know, I assisted him as his assistant uh, 2015. And he came to me after the season was over. He goes, hey, thank you for all your help. He goes, hey, you know, they have your, you can have your own team if you like. Nice. And so I went, got a recreational team, did that for like three seasons. And while I was coaching throughout the time, a gentleman used to always walk by my practices, walk by my practices. Little did I know that was the president of the club. Wow. And one night, I guess he uh, came to me. He got the goal to come to me. He said, hey, the way you run your practices is not like any other recreational coach. He goes, this is a beginner's level. And you train your kids as if they're in like an academy setting. And he said, mm -hmm. hey, we have this academy. Um, would you be interested in uh, coaching? This was like back in early April 2015. He said, hey, the season ends May, end of May. You can come in from April until now. And, you know, I'll pay you. And if everything works out, you like it, you can become an academy coach for the next wow. year. So I did it. And let's just say the rest is history since 2015. Man, that's nice. that's amazing, man. Wow. The, the path you took. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you too: What is your perspective on the current state of uh, soccer in the U.S.? Because as we all know, soccer is a uh, you know is known it's a world sport, right? Uh, yes. Since the 1800s, you know it's been around, and yeah. for some reason. The U.S. at the beginning, let's say in the 20s and the 30s, they were in the game and it fell off because okay. of the uh, prominence of American football and baseball right. and then basketball. It wasn't until the 60s when Pele came into the, the picture that Americans actually start looking into soccer or football again. Um, yes. So what is your perspective on soccer today, you know, especially in the men's division? Well, if we focus on the U.S., as you refer to, um, soccer in the U.S. has grown. You know, it has really taken off. We've always had like our own little like professional men's adult league and everything. But um, it, it has never compared to global because, you know, soccer is a global sport. Yeah. You know, it started off in England and went to Brazil. And they said the English started the game, but the Brazilians made it fun. So mm -hmm. in terms of the U.S., the landscape, it's positive. However, we're still, you know, steps behind the world. Like I said, the MLS, which is the major, major league soccer mm -hmm. here, has a number of different teams all the way down to here in Miami. Miami's team just came about from one of the most biggest names in the world of soccer, David Beckham, who's from England. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we took a step back by not qualifying for the World Cup back in uh, 2018. It was a, a big step back for us, considering we had qualified for pretty much every World Cup since then. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing that's wrong with American soccer when it comes down to it, I grew up in soccer, you know, support it. But as with any other sport here in the U.S., if you really want to get to the next level, it's all about playing for the best teams, and playing for the best teams comes with a price. you got to pay, pretty much. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah? I mean, AAU, basketball, baseball, football, you got to go to the different uh, open camps and everything like that to get that exposure. And so for those who live in the inner cities, you know, those kids who parents can afford to pay, it's unfortunate for them. And yeah. That's really hurt the U.S. because at the end of the day, the U.S. is a melting pot. You got kids from Haiti, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, you know, Mexico, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. But not all those kids can afford to play or to pay to play. Because that's yeah. how the U.S. soccer system is, is pay to play to get the exposure. And, uh, wow. you know, at the end of the day, the U.S. soccer team could be so much better if that window or door of opportunity was available to those players. And, you know, it's gotten better over the years, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, still far behind because, for instance, overseas, players 
they don't really pay so much when you I mean, when you're a kid and you go through the academy you get accepted into the academy pretty much the academy looks looks at you as an investment for them wow you know <laughs> at the end of the day it's still business so they look at you as an investment right. you stay on their campus they pay for everything and pretty much overseas you have a window of opportunity to try to make it onto a professional team between the ages of like 16 to like 21 you're really pushing it after 21, 22, 23, maybe you can get on a team. But to make it to the top leagues, the window of opportunity is 16 to 21. So by the time you make it into a professional academy and on the professional team, from there, now that's where the business kicks in. And your job is to try to play consistently within that team and to make the money after the club. And over time, you know, you'll make your money. So the U.S., we're still, you know, ways behind that. I mean, the doors have been open. They've created academy of systems, but nothing compared to the world. So to fully answer your question, we've come a long way, but mm-hmm. still have yet so far to go. Right. I know that, um, like you were still talking about the MLS, I know that in certain cities, the MLS is huge. Mm-hmm. Like in Atlanta, they're, they're, I'm pretty sure their soccer team gets you know more tickets sold than the Falcons. Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta, it's it's interesting that you bring that team up. It's huge. Because Atlanta was, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on the exact year, I apologize, but like a three, four-year team. So they came into the league right around, not mistaken, 2016. Mm-hmm. And from there, in two years, they won the MLS championship as the best team, as an expansion yeah. team. It's funny, I actually have some ties to that team because the, uh, the gentleman who helped build that team, he was my coach in North Carolina growing up. And he's actually the coach of Inter, or no, he's actually the manager now. Who, mm-hmm. He has the same responsibilities that he had with Atlanta. Yeah. And he's building the Miami, Inter-Miami FC team. So. Oh, wow, nice. But no, Atlanta, Atlanta, I mean... They're one of a kind. They're unique. To be an expansion team since 2016 and then mm-hmm. two years within your beginnings, you win a MLS Cup, goes to show the work that they put in. So okay. Atlanta's one of the hot cities. Um, L.A., there's two teams out in L.A., L.A. Galaxy, mm-hmm. which has been around. They've won, not mistaken, four championships. And then there's LAFC, which recently mm-hmm. they came in right around Atlanta as well. They're very strong. Um, so I know the Orlando team is pretty hot as a pretty hot draw in Orlando too. Yeah. Orlando, uh, Orlando city, Orlando city mm-hmm. has a yep. strong team, a number of international players. So my team that I coach within my Academy, we always go to, um, uh, Orlando at the end of the year for the Disney tournament for, uh, mm-hmm. at the end of May. Oh, right, and we right. got to check out a yep. uh, MLS game because the MLS season usually goes from April all the way until pretty much the end of the year, December. So fortunately, we got to see an MLS game. You know, Atlanta is definitely one of the hot spots for soccer. Exactly. And then uh, one thing you mentioned that that makes a lot of sense to me is the fact that in the European teams, they actually get the the talent really young. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Manchester United. That's, you know, go Red Devils, you know. No that's, doubt. Uh, Old Trapper, no doubt. Yeah, so that's Sir my Alex team. Ferguson, always yeah. going so sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm pretty sure familiar with Mason uh, Greenwood. How of course. He actually Forward. Lefty. They took him. He was in the academy, the Manchester United Academy, at the age of six, right? Yes. So they started yes. grooming him at six years old wow. you know, to be yeah. the star that he, he is today. And he has a lot more potential. The man is young, right? Yeah. And I feel like that same pedigree, that same support system, like you were saying, we need that in the States also, kind of like uh, the American football camps, right? Like yeah. how they actually get the talents really young and they follow them around, they give them support. If we use that same mentality for soccer, I feel like it will be a major uh, benefit and that would actually create more stars and then that would actually inspire more kids to want to be soccer players you know to mm-hmm. be interested in the sport can you imagine if 
if some of these guys who are like NFL running backs, if they grow up and decide they want to be soccer oh players, God. these the U.S. could really have a, a, a super squad if some of these guys played soccer instead oh, yeah. of football or basketball yeah. or even baseball. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that, you know. When it comes to, like, as I, as I spoke about earlier about, you know, the lack of opportunities for lower class individuals, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because of the pay to play type of yeah. system that we have set up here. But there's been a number of black successful soccer players for the U.S. Kobe Jones, Eddie Pope, mm-hmm. a younger one, uh, Eddie Johnson. It was yeah. funny the other day I was on uh, Eddie Johnson's Instagram page and man, he left a very beautiful, like, uh, video and message. And Mm -hmm. what he spoke about was, like, how he had a family, a Caucasian family. They Mm -hmm. were the ones who paid for his training. And he made it through the U.S. system. He played for the U-17, U-18, U-21, the Olympic. And he even played for the full U.S. men's national team program. Wow. Wow. You know, you see a number of athletes, there's a number of, like you said, football players, basketball players. I mean, God rest Mm -hmm. his soul, Kobe Bryant, you know, Kobe Bryant, Uh, you know, he himself growing up in Italy, his favorite team is Barcelona. He loves the game of soccer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but the thing is here in the U.S., it's unfortunate us as blacks athletes, we don't really gear towards soccer because, oh, man, that's not a good sport, you know? What will get the attention and the fame here? Basketball mm-hmm. and football. So, yeah. But no, a number of black athletes could be very talented soccer players with their natural mm-hmm. talent and natural athleticism. From there, it just takes, you know, learning the game and the technical part of the game and the skills. Exactly. Can you, can you imagine if uh, LeBron James was a soccer player? <laughs> Like, that would be insane. He'd be a tall, tall no, soccer let player. Let me ask you this. <laughs> yeah, on the, that'd on be the, crazy. Let me ask you, since you mentioned Kobe, if Kobe Bryant, like, let me ask you, basically what Pierre's saying, like, do, do the athletics transfer? Like, if Kobe had decided he wanted to play soccer, would he have been the best soccer player? Like, would just his drive and his, you know, his 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 determination as well as his would, would his athletics also transfer over, do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, Kobe naturally was an athletic individual. And, mm-hmm. you know, his mentality, of course, everybody speaks upon it. You know, no reason to reiterate, but Mamba mentality. That yeah. gentleman had that drive and that focus to put his mind to anything. And he put his in basketball. But just imagine, had he yeah. put it into soccer, he would have been excellent. I mean, you know, just to steer off to uh, Jordan. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you guys have been following the Last Dance documentary yeah. series that's been going yep. on. Yep. You know, Jordan, yep. all-natural athlete. His talent was basketball, but he left the game to go pursue baseball. Just imagine that Jordan fully, fully put everything into baseball. And the only reason he went to go play baseball was because of his dad. That's what his dad wanted him to do. Yeah. But, you know, just imagine how he put his full psyche and training mentality into baseball, what kind of athlete he could have been in baseball. And I feel Kobe more likely would have done the same thing in the game of soccer. So let me ask you this. How long, because I feel like this is coming soon, because I'm sure you see there's still two-star athletes, right? Yeah. Like like Russell Wilson, I believe he was, he was drafted like first mm-hmm. or second in MLB yeah. or – one of these other guys just more recently was, was I believe, like with the first or second pick, and he decided to play football oh, from mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Uh, the quarterback. Kyle Murray, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right, right, right. So do you, do you think that's coming where somebody's like, could be the first pick in the NFL draft, and they're like, no, I'm going to go play MLS soccer? Um, I could see it. You know, at the end of the day, we live in America, and America is about money. <laughs> yeah, like you're money, right. the money. And, right. But I, but if the MLS keeps you know filling out stadiums the way they have been, that that money is not far behind. A lot of MLS players, believe it or not, unless you're one of the top top MLS players, your salary is not what you think it would be. <laughs> okay. You know, just as in basketball or the NBA and NFL, you have players who. They don't even see the field, yeah, or see mm-hmm. the court. But more so in basketball, they make seven hundred. Yeah, they're making seven hundred grand. 
that's not happening in the MLS for the guys who aren't on the field. Exactly. You know? So to answer your question, I do think that, you know, it could happen where a top player decides to go and play MLS soccer. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the money for them and how much exposure they're going yeah. to get, you know, for themselves and MLS, how much exposure are you going to provide for us to grow the to grow the league and to grow the business even more, you know? Yeah, definitely. And with, with the MLS, what ends yeah. up happening is how they have been growing the league is, has been through international players who are like on their last leg or have a couple years left in them, you know, mm -hmm. that come through. And that's how David Beckham, David Beckham, you know, yeah. he played a number of years, you know, from England at Manchester United, your team, Pierre, yep, the yep. academy he grew up in to uh, Real Madrid, one of the top teams in the world in terms of soccer and business. Um, also enter, no, um, AC Milan, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a number of international players have come through recently. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Wayne Rooney, who also played for Manchester United. Yeah, Wayne, yep. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's how the MLS has been able to grow. So we're still looking for an American face for the league. The proof is here, right? The women's uh, soccer team, the national yes. women's soccer team, they, they're doing well, you know? So the, the passion, they won't pay they them. They still won't pay them. Yeah, that's a different uh, story. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a different yeah, story. We, yeah, we'll, we'll save that for a, another that's podcast. That's another podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because they're I feel like... are good. Yeah, they are amazing. The yeah, passion exactly. is there. The hunger is there from the kids who wants to become soccer players. So I feel like when it comes to the men's soccer teams, like they have to bring the passion first and then the money will follow, right? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I mean, I think it's coming sooner than later where somebody's just going to take over and, you know, he's going to have crazy jersey sales and just be all over the commercials or whatever. I mean, those those times usually come after Olympics <laughs> and stuff like that. But I think it's coming yeah, for MLS, MLS. We need We need a face. MLS needs a face, an American face, such right. as LeBron for the NBA. Yeah, you're right. Or, yep. you know, you go to the NFL, you know, you got a Tom Brady, you got a Drew Brees, you know. Also, you got to look at the yep. kid, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you mentioned how, right. you know, the yep. Kyler Murray kid um, mm -hmm. got drafted as a baseball player, but Patrick Mahomes as well. That kid could have gone played baseball i mean just look at the arm he has this kid was throwing <laughs> wow. heavy heat as a yeah. baseball player but he decided wow. to go to football so if the mls can get that type of player to believe in the system believe in the the business and the development mm -hmm. of it all you know the sky's the limit for mls yeah definitely let me ask you this what are the age of the kids that uh, you coach well i uh run an academy from age u7 to u12 boys and girls. Okay. I myself personally, wow. I coach U9 and U11 boys, and then I'm the assistant coach to the U10 girls. For my U11s, I've groomed them, groomed them for the past two years now, and now you're starting to see the fruits of our hard work. We won different mm -hmm. championships this year. Even last year, I've always been one to push my kids, you know, my teams. When I got them at U9, you know, all I heard was, how they won everything at the U8 academy level, but they were playing mm -hmm. in the lowest division. They were winning championships in the lowest division. So when I took over them, I took them to the top division. And I'll never nice. forget, we went to a tournament, and it wasn't a very pretty tournament in terms of the results. We played five games, lost 7-1, lost 13-1, lost 7-1, mm -hmm. uh, lost 6-2. Parents were, excuse my language, they were pissed at me. Like, why would you do this? But at the end of the day, after the last game, the parents started to realize what they were learning and everything. And mm -hmm. since then, you know, last year as U10s, I put them up a whole age group for the whole half of the year for six months. We were playing against uh, teams one year older than us and did very well. Went to semifinals, went to championships, and uh, all the hard work is paying off for them. So, yeah, but... Those are the different age groups I coach, and, and I run the entire academy. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. I've told many people that you are the one who actually inspired me to turn on my hustle because you're always doing many different things. Uh, we went to AI together. We, we met in college. And I remember I used to come by your place. You're always reading like a business book, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or like you always had something that relates to business around you. And you always are involved in many different things. How do you think that will actually shape the direction that you take in the future with what you're doing right now? Well, I mean, you know, and once again, man, I say, hey, nothing but respect to you and your grind. Like you said, we went to uh, college together at AI in Miami. That's where we first met. Yeah. And, you know, to see where you've come, you know, it's awesome. This podcast and everything. I thank you for the opportunity once again. But you're welcome. The uh, whole business mindset comes actually from my mom. When I was a kid, I would never forget, I wanted a bicycle. It was $200. And I told my mom I wanted this bicycle. Next thing you know, one day we're going out. Mom says, go pick out five different candies that you want. You know, 10 years old, I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to go buy everything. I'm going to go buy. Mm -hmm. So she goes, your budget's $200. (laughs) So whatever, I go pick out five boxes of candy worth $200. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get home, and my mom says, "All right, distribute up all the candy." So we did put them in different, you know, baskets, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says to me, "Okay, you gotta go sell it." Wow. I said, "What do you mean?" She's like, "You're gonna come up with a business name. We're gonna open up a bank account, and you're gonna go start a candy business." She said, "You wanted a bike, right?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah." She said, "Okay, go sell it." So I sold all the candy that I had. I think I made like $600. So uh, I, I got the money for my bike. She goes, well, I gave you a loan of $200. So. <laughs> wow. The interest. <laughs> this is amazing, man. I have that $600. You got to give me $200 to pay me back. I said, okay. Paid her the $200. She goes, okay, you have $400 left. She goes, now you have another $200 to go buy another $200 worth of product. Mm-hmm. More inventory. Yep. So out the gate, that's $400 gone. Wow. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, but I still have enough of my bike. The bike was $200. She goes, you're forgetting the axes are involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, that bike is going to cost you like $220. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, I was like, yeah. So she goes, you don't have it technically. And she says, but prior to that, you're going to take $100 and go put into the account that we open up for this business. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I was literally left with $100. Man. And so what ended up happening, you know, took the $200 that I had to go reinvest, bought another set of candy because this is my own money now. I have no loan. Bought it, sold, sold it made another $600 and bought my bike. And from then on, man, she's taught me by my business sense. And so, you know, it's always been one of those things. At the end of the day, my goal was always to try to have to own something on my own. She taught me how to invest and everything like that. And, you know, so at the end of the day, my hustle and my grind comes from her. Man, this is something that all parents should do with their kids, man, because... It, it's a really, oh, yeah. it's a really important thing to know to see how the system works, right? Because certain things right. like how do you how to do your taxes, how to, how to invest, we should learn all that stuff when we are like probably in middle school, right? We should yeah. learn because they are basic maths, right? Yeah. And then the more yeah. you learn, and then when you get to high school, you'll know more. When you get to college, you will know. Okay, if I go to school, I'm gonna avoid getting that loan, and because. Man, when I went to school, there's a lot of yeah. stuff I didn't know. So I took all the loans that came to me. I'm like, man, I need to graduate, man. I want to take loans mm-hmm. left and right. But now I'm looking back, I'm like, man, if I actually was prepared when I was in literally in middle school to think about uh, my trajectory and what I want to do in the future, then that would save me more money uh, later. But your mom is amazing, man, for just teaching you how the financial system works. And by just uh, by just one request, by just one desire that you had, and she showed you, okay, what you want is fine, but how you acquire it, you know, and what you do to get it, that's a different story. And then you appreciate it more, man. <laughs> Getting back to soccer, 
I'm asking this question kind of selfishly because I got a daughter myself. So my daughter, she's, she's turning two this year. I don't play soccer, but I know soccer is one of the sports that I would love for her to play. Team sports are just a good confidence builder and things like that. But what I wanted to ask you was, I know you coach kids as young as seven. Can you tell the difference between a kid who's, you know, genuinely into it or, you know, their parents force them to do it? And do you coach them differently? So, you know, like maybe you could get them more into it by your coaching style or maybe you could do some fun things that, you know, will, will change their mind about about soccer. It's uh, a very good question. So I'll give you an example. There's okay. uh, two different examples. There's a brother and sister that I train. The sister's older. She's a U12 player. Brother's a U10 player. Fast, you know, athletic, but doesn't have the skills and truly doesn't like to apply himself with the skills. Wow. Whereas the sister... She's more skillful, but doesn't have mm-hmm. the same athleticism as the younger brother. And whenever I, you know, train my kids, you know, I always train them in different sessions, you know, technical, tactical, then shooting. He loves to shoot. He doesn't mm-hmm. like to do any of the technical work. And your skills are very important. And you can tell, I can already see his work ethic in terms of him wanting to get his skills better is not there. He just relies on his athleticism a lot. And then I have another kid. I train him. He has all the skills, athleticism and everything. But his father is very overbearing. And his father, hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You can see the kid getting frustrated. Even though he's trained with me, the dad's on the side telling him what he needs to do. And the kid's getting frustrated. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, you know, to answer your question, Bricks, you got to make you got to let your child, your daughter, decide what she wants to do. Right. For me, you know, I played basketball. I played baseball. I played soccer. Mom didn't let me play football. So I was too small. And she thought I would get hurt. Baseball, I was too bored by it. Basketball, my mother thought I was going to be too short to be a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> so I took to soccer, and I focused all my energy and time in that. Mom didn't force me. I mean, she pushed me, but she wasn't overbearing, you know. My brother used to help train me, whatever. And I just naturally developed the love for it. And, you know, when people were out partying, when I was in college playing, I played D1, start off mm-hmm. before I got hurt. Then I went to a D3 school. And I remember I was that, that kid on a Friday, Saturday night in the racquetball room, practicing my skills, working out in the gym, you know, mm-hmm. my passion. So you got to let your kids, you know, such as my mother did for me, find their own way. You know, my mother put me in a lot of different things. And so I always tell the parents, hey, let them explore. Let them see what they like. If they enjoy soccer, you will know because they will put forth all their energy into it. Sure. Exactly. I wanted to ask you, as we all know, you know, we are facing a pandemic and it's affecting a lot of the ways that people interact with each other. Uh, are you using any type of uh, technology to support you, to help you connect with your, you know, with the kids that you're coaching or the parents? How is that actually affecting uh, your coaching uh, right now? I love being out on the field, being able to interact with my players and everything. But good thing for technology, you know, Zoom. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is not a product endorsement or anything like that, but, <laughs> you know. Zoom has been very beneficial. Actually, um, one of the mothers on my team, she told me about it because she's a teacher. And she's like, hey, coach, I'm using Zoom to teach the kids. You know, that's what's the new um, product. And she goes, maybe you could use it for the boys. I said, sure. And I've been using it since the whole pandemic. So we get on. I meet with my teams. I have, a, like I said, a U9 and a U11 team. And we go each team two days a week. We watch the different games because I'm one of those coaches who records every game that we play, and I, mm-hmm. I'll be up late nights watching and analyzing. So what's been beneficial about Zoom is that we've been able to get on and watch our different games, talk about it, how we played, and then go outside and still do trainings. You know, it has its ups and downs with the lagging and everything. But, mm-hmm. yeah, as I said, I like to use technology and apply it the most beneficial and positive way for me. Now, let me ask you, um, 
obviously, you know, sticking with the pandemic, do you see there being a, a, a change in the way we view sports? Or do you think we just have to, you know, kind of wait it out and see? I know this, those, like, obviously we were, to, we were talking about soccer and some of those stadiums in Europe, they, they get crazy wild. And they have of so course. many people there. Mm-hmm. How do you, what do you think is going to happen now in the future? I'll tell you like this. Since this whole pandemic, our lives are forever changed. It's just my personal right. opinion, you know. Yep. At the end of the day, you know, life has changed for us. There's no more sense of normalcy, quote unquote. I mean, when it comes to sports, like right now, to be honest with you, my TV is on and I'm watching UFC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't believe they actually went on with that match. I yeah, believe this it. Guy- tested positive i was like are they serious like that doesn't look good no not at all but it goes to show where sports is more than likely headed here it is this is a big business in terms of sports they're in jacksonville florida no fans Mm -hmm. or anything doing a major event and people are paying you know people are paying Mm -hmm. that's what it's going to come down to at the end of the day and and in terms of soccer that's actually always there's been previous instances where um, games have been played with no fans in the stadium, unfortunately, due to certain racism and everything mm-hmm. like that. Oh, wow. But at the end of the day, that's where sports is heading. I think, you know, business, business is heading online, you know. I mean, it was already online, but now we're fully, if you can't adapt to making a move online and understanding technology, unfortunately, you you will be left behind. Yeah, you're right. One thing I kind of see, uh, the fact that, you know, you can't have people in those venues. Venues need to make some money. The venues where the sport is actually being held at, instead of, you know, getting a ticket for $50, maybe it'll be 100 something like that, because they're going to have to find a way to make money. Because when you're in that venue... You have to buy food, you know, uh, you right. have to buy merch. Yeah, I don't see America not you opening know? those venues, man. Of course, you know. I don't yeah. see Dallas not playing in their stadium this year. Cowboys fans are going to go. They're going to have a riot if they can't get into <laughs> yeah. that stadium this year. I will tell you like this. In terms of sports, you know, um, one of the professional leagues in Germany called the German mm-hmm. Bundesliga, they're actually, they only had nine games left in their season before mm-hmm. this whole pandemic thing. And now they're trying to open back up. The, they're going to start the games next mm-hmm. week, Friday. So no fans or anything like that. But you're absolutely right, Briggs, man. At the end of the day, sports is a multi-billion, trillion-dollar business. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard to keep people out of venues but for so long. Mm-hmm. Yep. And me, I probably see, you know, all the different leagues are still trying to push to get things started. I would say more than likely not until the ending of this year into mid next year where, you know, it's really going to kind of be all right. And even then, people still won't be able to go in, you know, it's yeah. just the new world we live I mean, in. I think I think those guys are definitely going to take a hit as far as ticket sales. And I think mm-hmm. that anybody who was, you know drafting up a new stadium that they were going to plan to unveil in the next few years. Mm-hmm. I bet you they, they don't scrap those plans and try to come up with something smaller, you know? Cause yeah. Well, I mean, just look, I, for I, example, I out in uh, where you're at, Pierre, out in California, the, uh, the Raiders, Oakland Raiders. How many years yeah. have they been in Oakland? Now they're transitioning to Las Vegas. They had already started yeah. building the stadium and everything. A huge stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Who knows what's going to happen? I, you know, at the end of the day, you talk about NFL owners, you're talking about billionaires. Yeah. They got the money. Warren Buffett just lost $50 billion the other day in the stock market. <laughs> wow. <laughs> $50 billion. <laughs> $50 billion. And it didn't even bother him. So just wow. imagine, yeah. you know. But at the end of the day, what my heart goes out to in terms of the big businesses and sports, mm-hmm. all the people who work at the stadiums, you know. Yeah. yeah, who got furloughs. Yeah, all those workers, they're out of work now. You know, mm-hmm. it's a tough situation. But I think sports is going to come back. And like you said, at the end of the day, money is a big factor. 
And those owners, they're going to take a hit and they want to see their bottom line. So I see a future where, kind of like when you go to a, like a sporting event, where they have to do the security check, it's going to be another thing to add to this list of what they're going to check. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to check your temperature or they're going to have to do something to monitor who's coming in. And I see rich you know? people getting, you know, you know, they already they already go to like skyboxes. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be an even lucrative business to maybe have like a little separate section on the NBA floor, you know, instead of them being on the wood next to everybody right. else. People are going to pay for more privacy. Of and I'm sure the NFL owners are going to you know that. Oh, all the sports owners are going you know, to look into it. Yeah. Benefit off of that. Yep. Of course. Uh, and uh, Nuo, you mentioned that uh, when you were back home, uh, you had like a garage, you know, yes. that your friends called the library. Can you elaborate more on that? Can you tell us what are certain books that you've read that actually made an impact on your life? Yeah, I mean, one of the books that you mentioned, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the Bible, of mm -hmm. course, um, Four Hour Work Week, um, yeah. the Lexus and the Olive Tree. Um, and one of the other ones, one of my favorite ones called Things Fall Apart. The book, yeah. Uh, yeah, dealing with the African family. You know, I'm naturally, I'm African. And so those are different books that I read. Those are, those are the four favorites that I had. But yeah, man, like I said, how I explained to you guys about the whole business and how I got into business through my mom. I was that kid growing up, go to summer camp, come back from home. You know, in summertime, as a kid, we used to get those summer reading book lists, yeah? Yeah. And uh -huh. there was like three on the list that you had to read and everything. Yep. Well, I was that kid. If there was a list of five books and you had to read three, my mom made me read all five books. And then on top of that, go to the library in the summer, get their summer reading list. There's like a list of five to ten. Read all those books. And guess what? I was doing a report on those books. So. Wow. That's why we have such an extensive library. And that's why my friends used to call it the library because there's just so many different books. And I'll probably tell you, there's well over 2,000 books in our yeah. library. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Uh, my, my parents were the same way too. Like they always, they always uh, pushed us, uh, me and Briggs, to, uh, to basically read, to, to mm -hmm. find out information, to, to not just do the bare minimum. Right, they always push right. us to to be excellent, right. to be great, and that's right. something I wanna I wanna pass down to my kids to not just do the bare minimum, go the extra mile. Yeah, man, mediocrity is not accepted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right about that. And your character, Nuro, I can see that because when I, I remember when I met you at AI, that you always had like a you had a maturity about you. You were always mature, like you know, we're in, in college, enjoying life, you know, going to parties, you know you always had that maturity. Like, you always focus. I'm like, damn, how do I get that focused? You know, this guy, you're on a different <laughs> level. I'm like, man, how do I get that focused? That's why I hang out around you and your circle, that all of you guys were focused on, on something. I learned, man, like I tell you, like, everything I'm doing today, you have a major part into influencing, you know, what I'm doing. From the clothing line, you know, I learned from you, uh, the way I approach business and the way I think about business and what I decide to invest in. You've been a major influence, man. I just wanted to let you know definitely and grateful and thank you and appreciative man because you know when it comes down to it trust me i like to have my share of fun <laughs> i live in miami man <laughs> you know yeah. you know. i can't i you know what it is down here you know you can act like everything oh yeah you know in terms of business hey at the end of the day it's fun down here you know so i've had my share of fun i mean at the end of the day, I'm a human being, yeah. I'm a man, you know? But no, in the back of my mind, I just always had that, you know, that self-motivation drive to go and to go and to go and not give up, you know? Like I said, I mean, and that truly comes from how I was raised. I've always had that drive and everybody that I've encountered, you know, you kind of weed out the people in life that you meet. You know, we meet people all all the time, every yeah. single day, but you figure out people who you like, who you trust, and who you can build something with, and, you know, I mean, I know you thank me, but I also thank you, man, because at the end of the day, I'm not the biggest 
creative and everything like that. And that's why it's always good to collaborate with people that you like and mm -hmm. you trust. And from day one, whenever we met and I saw your talent and your skills, I reached out to you to help me. You've always been there supportive. So yeah, as much as I inspired you, you have inspired me too, man. And, you know, even when I met Drix as well, you mm -hmm. know, just seeing everything or Bricks, you know, everything that he does mm -hmm. is awesome. So it's one in the same, man. One of one. Exactly. So same here. Yeah. So all three of us are, you know, still on this this life journey of grinding and entrepreneurship and and trying to make a, a, a legacy and, and build generational wealth for our, our kids and stuff like that. What's your next move? Are you planning? Do you do you have any ambitions to move up in coaching or begin coaching older kids or maybe even like college? Or Very good question. So kind of go back into my story of how I got into coaching. When I was in high school, my high school coach told me he saw me becoming a coach. Wow. You know, I was wow. a 16-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid. And back then, my only aspirations and dreams was to become a professional soccer player. I was like, nah, I'm not going to become no coach. I'm going to be I'm gonna be a professional yeah. player, man. Come on, man. Why are you going <laughs> to just look at me as a coach? He said, hey, when you graduate college, you can come back here, you know, be my, you can coach the JV team. And then you can be my assistant on the varsity team. And then, you know, when I decide to retire and move on to the athletic director position, mm -hmm. you know, I'll turn over the team to you. Like I said, that wasn't my plan, my aspirations as a seven, 16, 17 year old kid. When I went to college, you know, same thing. When I was about to graduate, my college coach told me, hey, you know, I would love to you to stay here and be your graduate mm -hmm. assistant as the coach and work your way up. And, and still, my aspirations was to become a professional soccer player. Mm -hmm. Let's just say it didn't happen. Injuries prevented different things. So it didn't happen. Like I told you the story with the guy who asked me to become his assistant at his daughter's, you know, beginning level recreational team. Mm -hmm. That was never my goal, but look where it's come for me. And so my next aspirations is to, I'll tell you like this, I'm not sure how much longer I'll be back or be in Miami. You know, they say home is where the heart is I'm from North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I'm more likely will move back home to Carolina and open up an indoor soccer facility and run my academy fully through North Carolina and be with my family. Nice. That's, that's awesome, man. And yeah, that's um, to build a brand. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's that sounds pretty good. It's just you, you say more like a private practice type of thing where people come to you privately and and get training. Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You know, if you need some designs, you know, let me know. I'll, I'll help you out, man. When you make that transition. No doubt. You know, you already know what it is, man. I, you're only a phone call or a text away, man. You already know what it is. You help me so much and everything, man. So, of oh, course. Cool, You'll be a part well, of it. Um, but uh, one last mm -hmm. thing I did want to yeah. say, just like you were saying, you know, uh, you, you wanted to be a player. You know, you were like, I don't want to be a coach. But I always tell people, I'm like, man, players got to retire at 35, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. No matter how good you are, like, you know, LeBron is coming up on his time soon. It's like when you're a coach, yeah. you, 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 you're always in the mix, you know? When you're a player, you've you only got a shelf life. So it's like it's, being a coach yeah. is still pretty lit. A thousand percent agree, man. I can't tell you the fulfillment I get every day of coaching, man. Like, I know the question you sent me about what what's one thing that inspired me. Like, every day, man, I feel, not to be cliche, I feel inspired, especially when I'm on the soccer field or training, you know? Like, it's funny how things work out in life. When I was in college, prior, before getting to AI, I wanted to become a pediatrician, you know, work with kids wow. and everything. I didn't become that, but... Guess what? I work every day with kids, not only kids, but kids from all different backgrounds. You know, Haiti, nice. Colombia, mm -hmm. Venezuela, Brazil. You know, it's it's a fulfillment for me because yeah. I get to help teach and share my knowledge of a game. Hopefully they develop that same passion and want to pursue it, whether they make it professionally or not, but or go into college, but still develop a passion and a love for something as I have done with soccer. Exactly. Uh, yes. That's, that's awesome. Nuro, this was uh, great. You know, I really appreciate the time and you coming in and, you know, talking to us. It's a really teachable uh, episode. 
And I, I learned a lot uh, from you. And I'm, st- I'm pretty sure I'm still going to keep learning from you. Briggs, I don't know if you wanted to ask uh, anything or make any comments before we... Um, no, I would just say just drop your info for the people so they know where to find you. Oh, actually, I did have one more last question. Because like I told you, my daughter's turning two years old this year. When should I start mm-hmm. uh, putting her in uh, soccer? Well, I train kids as young as three years old. Wow. And... Our recreational program usually starts at four years old. Most programs will start at four, five years old. Mm-hmm. But get her started early, you know, roll out a ball to her and see how she responds. Oh, to she, kicks ball, she kicks it. She kicks it now. I'm like, kick it. She kicks wow. it. No, she will kick it. Like, she loves that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So and I would she say loves, she's wild. Try she to loves get her. being outside. So I'm like, man, I know she got to play some type of sport because, yeah. you know, I, I, I yeah. can't chase her too much. <laughs> Get her into like a recreational program, which is the beginning levels program, by the age of four, five years old, and then have her spend probably if she's that talented and catches on quick, get her into the academy wherever you're located, so that way she can start to excel mm-hmm. in her game. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah. yeah, like Brick said, do you wanna let the people know the different? businesses, the different things that you're involved in, that they can follow you and how to find you? Well, as I said, I'm very discreet about everything that I do, (laughs) but (laughs) you can find my uh, IG, which is for my academy team. It's M-L-U-S-C-A-0-9 on Instagram. Okay, cool. Uh, All right, so M-L-U-S-C-A-0-9. Zero nine on Instagram. You know, I usually have different posts on there, whether it's inspirational quotes for soccer, you know, promoting my different academy teams. That's the most social media I truly do. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Bricks, thank you for, you know, joining us too and and asking some interesting and amazing questions. And uh, we'll be back next week with more and uh, awesome content. Thank you, guys. No, hey, man. Thank I, you, guys, for listening. I truly appreciate extension of the invitation. And, you know, you guys, man, love what you guys are doing. Keep grinding out here. You know, COVID is tough, but we're going to pull through. And yep. thank you, guys, man. Looking forward to continuing working with you guys and everything. Right, sounds good, man. Stay safe out there.